Welcome to Honey and Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. And right now we're doing Read the Reviews. Robin is an amazing interviewer. I've listened to her podcast since before I pulled my son out of kindergarten. He's currently in grade two. It gave me the confidence and resources I needed to move forward in our journey of unschooling. I recommend this podcast and also specific episodes to people who are scared or considering unschooling. She has great guests and dives deep into the world of unschooling. Now let's move on to the intro. First, Mom, who did you interview in this episode? I interviewed Jamie and Jim Shields. And why did you interview them? Well, as part of the series, Look for the Helpers, you know, always with the podcast, I really try to showcase many different backgrounds and learning styles so that we can get uh, a broader perspective of background and examples, unique learning journeys. And what Jim and Jamie bring to the table is a larger family. They have four kids that range from toddler age all the way to older teens, and they also run a business together. And I think that their examples that they're able to share are really valuable, especially during this time of COVID. And what's the main thing you guys talked about? Well, we talked about how they've been managing working from home, having to work from home now during the time of isolation and managing four kids, their uh, needs and wants. They also homeschool their kids. They do actually a very eclectic, unique style of learning. So one, one child does full homeschooling. They also do Waldorf and Montessori. Each of their four children actually have a um, different educational learning circumstance. So how do they tackle that? What, uh, what, do they, what do they do? As well, we talked about how they create boundaries and expectations when they're working from home with the kids. We talked about schedules and rhythms and the difference between schedules and rhythms and why it's important for families. And we talked about how they practice not buying into one thing or another. What they really do is follow their children, their children's interests, and they build their learning from that. And how do they do that? So those are some great things that the Shields family shared with me. And would you like to say anything about Patreon? <laughs> That's a great idea. If you find value in this podcast and you would like to help and support us, you can still do so through Patreon. You can become a patron. Just go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids, and you can support us through there. And if not, another thing you can do is go follow my mom on Instagram and Facebook at honey, I'm homeschooling the kids and check out her website at honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. Or as well, you can leave a review on iTunes. Oh, right. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. I have Jim and Jamie Shields joining me today on the show. Thank you very much for taking your time to come on Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Thanks for Thanks having for us. Thanks for having us, Robin. Good to be here. Jim and Jamie Shields help busy professionals create deeper, more connected, more meaningful relationships with their spouses and children 
so they can have the family life they always imagined. As successful entrepreneurs with a family of six, Jim and Jamie speak all over the world, guiding others in igniting their family life as they grow and nurture their business life. Through their book, the Amazon bestseller, The Family Board Meeting, and their entrepreneur family-serving organization, 18 Summers, Jim and Jamie are helping to transform families and show them how to make the most of the time they have together. Thank you very much for joining me today. So I think I probably, I want to start, um, you know, every family and person that joins me on this podcast, I, I, what I like to do is always feature their unique learning journey. And I think the important part of that is showing listeners and those that tune in that each journey can be unique, but also, you know, we can learn a little bit of something from, from everyone and, and be inspired. But usually what happens is these unique learning journeys are based on a framework of beliefs and values around learning and growth and self-expression. So for the two of you, you have a pretty large family. You have four kids. We're saying from teens to toddlers. <laughs> you run a business together, yeah. and you also have chosen fairly different alternatives in life and learning. Maybe if you can tell me a little bit more about why the six of you have chosen the family path or the life that you lead when it comes to schooling, learning, and business. Absolutely, Robin. And what's interesting with us is that, you know, when people ask us about our methodology or the way we do things, what's interesting is that we don't necessarily buy into one thing or another. We follow our children. And and that's the greatest thing that I would probably say we do, it's always alternative education. Um, but the, the main bridge being, you know, we follow each of them individually. We find out what they're passionate about. We find out their learning styles, their, their abilities, their differences, and really how to pour fire on that. So our oldest is homeschooled. He's been homeschooled. Um, he's in high school and he's super passionate about fishing. And so he had the opportunity. He could have gone to you know, any high school that he wanted to, if he chose, he wanted to be homeschooled so that he could do fishing internships. And so once a month, we, the whole family goes down to the Florida Keys and he gets on charter boats and works with the captain so that he'll be able to have his captain's license by the time he's 18. Um, we just really pour in. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so we just really, he bought his first boat at 16. Um, he just is really passionate about it. And so, you know, he's had other businesses, uh, chicken eggs and an alternative uh, chip company and, you know, various things that he's been dog interested walking. in dog walking. Um, and he loves to volunteer with animals. So currently he's catching fish for the Pelican rescue. Previously he was walking dogs. So this is a super experiential young man, you know? And so, Oh, and he's creating shoe art. Anyway, he's our, he's definitely an entrepreneur and very, yeah, he is. Um, and, and yet he struggles through the academics. And he does the things and he checks the boxes, but he really, um, his love for learning is, is really external. Um, and now our Leland, who's our middle schooler currently, um, he loves making good grades. He, he also is in an alternative school setting just a couple days a week, um, all experiential in the afternoons, but boy, does he love taking a test and getting a good grade. <laughs> And he has every intention of going to college, you know, and so he's like, he's our scientist. He loves to know why things work and exactly how. And so he'll take a different path. Our two younger ones are still, um, they're currently in Waldorf education. And usually between the Waldorf and the homeschooling, we, we do some Montessori in between. Um, and then, you know, we do our own curriculum that 
um, our education matrix, which if Jim wants to talk a little bit about that, you know, we do a book club with the older children. We make sure to play games that teach them about financial intelligence and um, relationship skills. We really try to pour into those areas that there, there's no way they're learning in school anywhere. Do you want to talk some about that? Yeah. Well, Robin, as you know, because this is inside source, both your husband and son have come to our retreats. Really, we started our family retreats yeah. to get other like-minded families around to learn lessons together. And I didn't want to just spend time on, you know, the normal school lessons are very important. Um, but I found that when I got out of school, a lot of the lessons I taught I've never used, ever. So I tried to really focus on what do people always use, no matter what, whether they're the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. And I found that there were three things um, that were very grassroots, very at the foundation of success and moving through tough times that weren't focused on as core curriculum. And those three areas were personal development, financial intelligence, and relationship skills. And now we, you know, as you know, we've been testing this for eight years. I've gotten to speak at some really cool places, including MIT, spoken for the Harvard uh, Business Alumni here in Florida. And they came up and said, you know, even with having the best education that we consider on the planet, we never learned relationship skills. There was very little on personal development. Now, financial intelligence, you know, the better schools will do that. Um, but, uh, but for the most people, um, financial intelligence escaped the conversation for so long, for so many years, it can really affect. So for us, Robin, we kind of took this approach that once our children hit sixth grade, um, we want to help them uncover their gifts and talents and go deep into those. But we know no matter what they do, personal development, relationship skills, and financial intelligence, those three things will help support their life personally and professionally. And that's what we want to see for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not, you know, personal development, especially in relationship skills. I think many times when you get into academia, it's about just hitting the books and getting the grades. So I think yeah. those aspects kind of fall to the wayside and they're not, they're still skills that you have to practice and develop. And yeah. when you put all your time into cramming and studying, you don't get to develop those skills. Exactly. And we have a saying here, Robin, which some people are going to find very taboo or even evil. <laughs> but we say <laughs> we, don't, we don't care about grades. We care about learning. Mm -hmm. And that's a very risky, what people consider a very risky uh, dice to roll. But I found that it's a lot less risky than people think. When you tell them flat out, I, I don't care about your grade. I care about learning. Well, like Jamie said, our son Leland still gets good grades and Alden still gets good grades too. He has to work a little harder on it. Uh, but but I've told him, I said, I don't care about a grade because I remember there were times in school where I got a C minus, but I really learned a lot. And mm. there were times I got an A, I didn't learn anything. And I think sometimes grades can get in the way. I'm not saying they shouldn't be there. I want, you know, doctors who are studying the brain <laughs> to take certain tests <laughs> for sure. But I just found that when when I tell them to be more concerned about learning than their grades, it seems like there's a revitalization of, of desire to, to learn and to really go deep. Totally. Right. I think too, right now during the, the, you know, this pandemic that we find ourselves in when so many people have brought, you know, everybody's family is at home. Everybody's work is at home. School's at home. I think it's important the same way that we're saying, you know, just like Jim said, it's not so much about, um, you know, that it's more about the learning than the grades. I think too, you know, having the children at home, I, 
I would encourage everybody to feel that way at home. You know, like you, you're not a teacher. You don't have like, this is not your skill set. So you have children home now doing school. That doesn't mean you have to homeschool them. You have to make a space for them to be able to do school at home. There's a big difference. Um, for those that aren't, you know, that aren't used to facilitating that you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to teach all of the material. You just have to provide the space for it to occur. And so I, I have a question. If you are a parent that's at home now uh, and say you're, you're, you've brought your work home, you're still working, you know, maybe 40 hours in the week or maybe less. How do you how do you do that? How can how can you bring create that environment for them and still keep your sanity? Absolutely. It's so important to create, you know, boundaries and expectations. Um, that's one thing that, you know, even us who, who practice this regularly and who help others that first week home, we, you know, butted heads quite a bit about, Oh, are we working at the dining room table and feeding our children at the dining room table? Or are we just, you know, like (laughs) everything was a little bit muddy. And so, you know, you have to get really clear about what times you are working and what times you're with family. You have to get clear on where you're working and where you're not working. For example, uh, up in our house, we have, we, we ended up putting a desk in our bedroom and that's where Jim goes. So he, you know, makes his coffee. We do our normal family good mornings and sunrise and that kind of thing and gets his tea. And then he goes up to our room and he closes the door and and nine o'clock is his team meeting. And then 10 o'clock he and I meet together, but that's, that's his office. And when dad's in that space and that door is closed, he's not available. He's working. And so, but the same thing, when he comes out, the phone stays in there, the laptop stays in there and he's all in for hugs and cheek squeezes and tackling and, and creating all sorts of meltdowns. So, um, (laughs) so knowing and setting expectations and sticking to them. And the more you create it, um, consistently. So like I said, every day, that team meeting, every day, his day starts at 9am with that team meeting, you know, there's an expectation that this is what happens. And so the whole, the whole family knows, and the same thing, you know, we have, we have our schedule, which relies on time, but then we also have our rhythms. So he's always done every day in time for dinner. So we know, even if dad has a really rough day, not rough, but a full day and doesn't come out to squeeze a cheek, we know he shows up for dinner every day, you know, 530 Mm -hmm. is dinner. And so we just, we set to it every day and, and just creating those spaces. Okay. So can you maybe define as well? So I, cause I know sometimes there needs to be a little bit of clarity on that. What's the difference between a schedule and rhythms? Oh, that's so good. So a schedule is dependent upon, on a time. So like I said, Jim's 9am meeting, he can't show up to that meeting at 10 and still have the meeting. Um, and so that would be, a schedule. So nine o'clock is the team meeting. 10 o'clock is usually that our younger children are with the bigger children. So we call that brother time. And then Jim and I are doing our 18 summers meeting and then so on along the day until dinner being at five 30. So that is our schedule. Our rhythm is such, so we have a weekly menu rhythm. So Monday is Mexican Monday. Tuesday has become takeout Tuesday so that we're supporting local restaurants. Wednesday is rice. Friday's pizza Friday, Saturday is family movie in which I make every delicious snack in the house. And that's kind of our dinner. <laughs> we watch, we watch a movie as a family and then we eat every like Super Bowl snack that we can. <laughs> yep. 
It's always um, good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so a rhythm is like that. Rhythm is also um, with the younger children, I do a color of the day. So each day we look for that and it's always the same each week. So, um, so today's orange. And so we might be looking for all orange things today. And on orange day, we also chop vegetables and bake something or whatever it may be, but it doesn't have to happen in a certain time frame, we just know that on this day we'll look for orange things and we'll bake something and we'll do some chopping. So there's, that's the difference between a rhythm is kind of an order. A schedule is based on a timeline. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then for both of you, how the time now, how does it look different for you then? Because do you usually have a separate office that you go to and work in Why, while now you don't, you're at home? Is that the change or how much do you yeah. usually work from home? No, I, well, we're usually, we're learning a lot through this, Robin, which I think a lot of people were. One of the biggest simple ahas were like, geez, we were, we were moving around too much. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be moving around as much. And I have an office yeah, in, amen. You know, yeah. right down the down the road in downtown St. Augustine, which I'd like to go to. But I also found I don't need to go to it as much as I thought. Um, but with that said, I moved to that because I didn't like working from home because I was doing a lot of half-in parenting. I would take a, I call it work puking, <laughs> Robin. I would work puking in my, my living room, right? I take a text, I take a phone call. You know, it's it's kind of a, I'm, I'm very passionate. I mean, if you do your Colby's, I'm a passionate person. So I'll be, yes, you are, like, yes. And it's like, no, he's not mad. He's just having a conversation. But <laughs> I, would, I would do this in my living room and Maggie would look at me and say, daddy, why are you so mad? I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? And <laughs> I didn't have I'm good passionate. Division. I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I didn't have good division lines. So I moved myself out of the house, but now coming back, I see that there, it may not be throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm going to probably keep my office, but I'm not going to go into it as much. And I found that if I'm going to work from home, I just don't pull up the laptop at the kitchen table and just start taking emails. And that, like Jamie said, that simpleness of having a separate space to take the tougher calls, do the emails, you know, we have a, we have a nice size bedroom. So it's in one corner of the bedroom that has really good lighting. And it's just that one little spot is, it's just our energetic work area and, and that's it. So it's, it's been, it's been different. Um, and, but I think that just like Jamie said, having that, that space and also practicing what we're calling, you know, we're all here for social distancing. We're really into tech distancing and, you know, we're, our big philosophy has always been tech fasting, you know, not, yeah. we're not giving up technology, but we're going to have certain times we're not on it. And tech fasting has been really important. There's times I'm on calls and emails and fully focus on it. And there's times I'm not, where I'm not going to just take that quick text or that quick email or phone call when I'm with my family. I I need those division lines, Robin. That's been so important. It sounds probably simplistic, but if people will really do that, they're going to feel less overwhelmed. They're going to feel more present. They're going to feel more connected. And frankly, they're going to get more work done. It's always when I'm doing that half in parenting or half in work that I do my crappiest work. Um, so I found that, you know, we're not going to rush this around as much. I'm going to keep my office probably, but not go to it as much, but have those clear division lines. I'm either being a family member or I'm working and I'm doing it from a separate space within the home or I'm, I'm not, if that makes sense. It's simple, but it's really powerful. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And I do think it's simple, but putting it into practice is not so easy. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, because I think we're so used to trying to do everything, the whole multitasking. You know, they don't talk about it as much now, but remember there was years when it was all about learning the art of multitasking and doing everything, you know, all at the same time. We've kind of, you know, the lost the the deep work kind of thing. So, how long how long did it take you to to get into that simple practice? Because I'm thinking for some that are, you know, are multitaskers and trying to do everything and taking emails and, you know, with their kids, but then they got to run off and answer this call. How, how long does it take to make those separations? Um, well, for me with the pandemic, it took the second day in. The first, first <laughs> day of the pandemic. First, first day we butted heads and my feelings were heard and Maggie's feelings got heard. And we were I, like. <laughs> I was just, I, was, I went through a really, really hard patch in 2008. So preparing for the pandemic I have for 12 years, really, because 2008 was a very tough business time, came close to bankruptcy, but was able to pull up the gears before that happened. But it was really, really scarring. And I think I was feeling those scars get rubbed. Like what was possible? What was that? And, and I was, like I said, work puking in my living room, trying to parent one minute and jump on a call the next. And I was just scattered. I was like a, a, a dog chasing seven toys in the front yard. And it, mm. it causes confusion, bitterness. You set a terrible tone of anxiety. And literally Maggie, I, I was texting in the kitchen and someone I was trying to support was getting, I thought, taken advantage of. And I, I took that personally. I'm kind of talking in my head after I'm texting and you know trying to help this person out. And Maggie again said to me, Daddy, why are you so mad at me? I didn't even see her standing there, Robin. And that right there, it was like the, it, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. That's when the gavel came down. I said, nope, I'm not going through this like I did 2008, all worked up. I'm going to go through this with a strong attitude, with a lighthearted attitude. I'm going to separate my peas from my carrots. And has it been 100% perfect? No, but Jamie will probably be the first to say it's been extraordinarily well executed since that second day. I just, I just, mm. I, I hit a line and I just said, absolutely not. I'm, yeah. right? I mean, well, and I came to you happened? and I came to you during that same phone call. And I remember saying, I looked at you and I was like, okay, so right now we're supposed to be talking about expectations. And <laughs> because we had set designing a time, our designing our schedule and he was like, yeah, but I got to do. And I looked at him and I said, whatever you have to do is fine. But I and the rest of the family need to know what that is so that we can have expectations and meet them. And so that was really all that it took. You know, and, and the thing is, is that we're both entrepreneurs where we both work. You know, I'm definitely in the home more, um, but we still, you know, we each have our own companies to run. And so it was definitely one of those things that I was thinking, you know, it, it takes two of us. And so. I said, okay, whatever it, it is, you know, and I think that's the thing is just understanding that you, you start somewhere. You don't have to say, okay, from this moment forward, it must be X, Y, and Z. No, but we start somewhere. If the expectation is you have to work 10 hours a day and you're not able to help with anything else, just let the people around you know that. But if the expectation is, well, I have to work 10 hours, but I bet in the middle of the day, I could take a two hour break to eat dinner and play. Then that's the expectation, whatever it may be, whatever you can do you know, that's what, that's what we always suggest. Like start where you can and then revise, revise, revise. I think we're on um, schedule number four right now because the first week we thought we'd have all this free time and that didn't happen. We were like, Oh, yeah, but business is busy and that's okay. But let's set a new expectation. 
and then we got to revision three and then we um, took in two extra children and every well laid plan we created went right out the window. (laughs) And so now we're on revision four. And that's just part of it is knowing to really celebrate your wins and focus on what's going well and build on that. Throw everything else out. If it doesn't work, just keep going with what is working. Right, right. And yeah, there might be more revisions and just be open to that and flexible with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many people, Robin, would say to us when we first started doing this, well, you know, when you've seen the memes, hey, Karen, I, I don't want to schedule. I want a martini at two o'clock. You know, and that's, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, those are funny. But, but a lot of people would say, you know, I tried to put together a schedule. It lasted almost two days and then it fell apart. And I said, okay, what happened from there? And they're like, well, what do you mean? It just fell apart. It's been chaos ever since. And I said, oh, come on. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs out there, I'm going to say, could you imagine on your first, you know, carving of your business, if you said, oh, this didn't go well, I'm, I'm done. You know, it's as Jamie said, you got to revise, revise, revise and, and, and take that yeah. pressure of perfection off yourself. Like none of us have ever gone through a pandemic. None of our parents did. Even grandparents mm-hmm. didn't really go through it. So how could you know with bringing everything home, how to do it right and schedule it the first time? There's no way. Um, you know, if you just take that pressure of perfection off and realize, hey, everyone's revising and then commit to revising, then I think you'll start to carve out, uh, you know, a semblance of clarity, of decompression, of order, of, of working together. You know, it's, is it easy? Does it come on the first thing? No, but, you know, just like any good author out there will say, no one gets it on the first draft. That's crazy. You know, revise, 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 edit. Stay with the things that are working. There's going to be, as Jamie says, a few islands of consistencies that float to the top and build around those and keep revising around those and things will start to become more clear. Never perfect, but more clear. Right. Okay. So then those islands of consistency that come up, those good, those good parts of your schedule or routines that come up, what if they're not at all what you were expecting? to happen? What if you thought, you you know, you want something, (laughs) but then what you receive is something totally different? How exciting. (laughs) I mean, I guess (laughs) it could be, right? It could be exciting. And so I think that, you know, there's a little bit, just like with revising of your schedule, revising of your expectations. And so, you know, for us, we really thought that we were going to have this chunk of time, this period of time in the afternoons where we would get to do some learning with our big boys, our teens. Jimmy and I had wanted to set this time aside. We were going to start a new book. We had just finished our last book, Outwitting the Devil, and we were um, actually starting Deep Work, which is funny that you referenced that. um, (laughs) Cal Newport. (laughs) Yeah, great book. And so that's our next like book club that we're doing with the big guys. And we really, I think we made it two days and then we didn't stay consistent with that rhythm because we realized, Oh, the time we scheduled that is actually meal prep time. And is actually, you know, and it just kind of changed a bit. And what we found is that, um, we don't get that time with the boys, but our guys have, we've had lots of honest conversations after we get all of the children to bed. So the toddlers are go to bed at a good time to where we're able to spend the evenings. And we do things like having real conversations, you know, about, everything from the pandemic and fears to um, what's going on with the additional children we have in our home to 
Um, you know, even our oldest missing his girl, his girlfriend lives two hours away. And it's one of those things that's complicated socially, you know, for they can't see each other. And, and then, you know, right. it's just kind of having some bigger kid conversations and some real conversations and being available to them. We've even watched some, um, <laughs> some movies and shows that maybe we wouldn't be proud to admit publicly. And I felt like a terrible human being. <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah, we kind of shut that down, but we were available to try, you know, and the teens don't, but it was one of those things that they were curious and we're like, all right, let's open the box. And yeah. we want two episodes. Yeah, like, some great right, conversations. <laughs> now we're going to close the box. Now we know these type of people. <laughs> um, and then we've, also, we've been watching Impractical Jokers, you know, just things that maybe weren't our typical. And it's definitely not the same kind of learning that Jimmy and I were like super aspiring for. But it's a quality time. It's kind of become a, yeah. a, a moment of consistency that they know we're available. And there's a give and take. Mm-hmm. There's a give and take. And a lot of parents, Robin, here, here's one thing that, that, again, we've done lots of things wrong. Again, revise, revise, revise. But one thing that we got clear on, because a lot of parents have been contacting us, we're really struggling, they're depressed, they're this, they're that. And so we get into kind of, okay, what's your schedule? What are the rhythms you're going around? And here's a big one for teens. Well, you know, you feel bad. They're not, um, they're not able to see their friends or go to school. So, you know, we're letting them sleep till noon and beyond, you know, we're not really limiting the technology. They can have as much as they want. And so I'm not going to tackle both of those right now, but for me, Robin, you know, I I've learned that discipline breeds freedom and eventually comfort. Mm -hmm. And so what we've said is, well, it's not summertime. And our sons kind of pushed back on this at first, said, look, it's not summertime. We'll let you, if you want to sleep in on the weekends, we're cool with that. But you will be up at this early hour like you would be for school because you know as well as I that you're going to run out of steam. If you wake up, you're going to be off kilter. Um, you're going to wake up early and you're going to get school out of the way. So by lunchtime, you're already done. So kind of that um, eat that frog approach where we've, we've kept them where they're up every morning, Monday through Friday. And, yeah. and, you know, as you know, Robin, as being a good homeschooler, it doesn't take six hours. It takes about three, but that way yeah. they get up. Do they like it? No, but then they're out of the way. They're done before lunch and, and you're not active. behind the eight ball. They're yeah. active. Yeah. And they have time in the afternoon yeah. to get out to the beach or outside yeah. and skateboard and things like that. But we're getting, we're getting that big meat and potatoes eaten first thing in the morning. Um, but I've just found so many families are falling behind. So like, well, our, our kids get up around noon. Yeah. And then they stay up all night long, which again, it's not good for your rhythms. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your schedule. It's not good for your family dynamic, you know, and then also, you know, we're leaving children unsupervised um, for large quantities of time at night. If they're up all night long because they sleep all day, it just kind of throws everything off. Yeah. It throws everybody's, everybody's rhythms off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know even when everything first started, I think because you know, you're, it was, there was just so much uncertainty and there's fear going around right now as well, right? Because it's so new. Like you said, no one has experienced this. Our parents haven't experienced this. Our grandfather, grandparents, you know, for many, for the most part have not experienced it. So I know for us, we just kind of, and especially for myself, I think I just kind of stepped back and cocooned a little bit for the first two weeks, right? To, you know, you don't know what's happening and, and we just, you know, kind of hit away almost. It was isolation, but at the same time, we just withdrew. And but then you get to the point where, yeah, you, I think we because we took that time to step back, 
we then felt like uh, we needed to rekindle a few things that, yeah, absolutely. Like the kids were going to bed later, but then that's the same thing. The family rhythms too, you know, I, you know, you don't want to be woken up if you're going to bed and you want to be on a schedule that's, you know, together that you can do things together through the day and support each other through the day and, and maintain that it feels, um, yeah, it just feels more continuous and unified. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll join, that'll join together. And, and I think, and Jamie, may, this is something, a big aha we had in the beginning with really candid conversations with each other. Every person is going through something different and don't, do not discount the, the weight that's on each person's shoulders. For example, for me, again, Jamie and I are both entrepreneurs, but I definitely have to take more of the work role and she takes more of the family. And the classic thing, and we've heard this a lot, is don't you understand? I'm 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 holding the business together through this unknown time. I'm trying to pay I have to the, make mortgage. Sure the mortgage. Yeah. I'm doing what this. did you do today? Yeah, and it's it's all yeah. like the the main business role person will discount everybody else because of that important role they're playing. And is it important? Yes. But does it make them immune from being loving and respectful or even realizing the other stuff is hard too? No. You know, like, man, the enterprise of family life that so many spouses are holding together. And again, it's different in every home, but a lot of times it's still the, you know, the female leader in the family. Wow. Like I see what Jamie's doing. It's a lot. It's a ton of moving parts with unknown factors and to discount that would be such a crime. And, and even for our kids, it's easy for a 45 year old like me to say, oh, come on, what are you're just missing things? That's through the eyes of a 45-year-old. What about the 14-year-old I was? Cut off from my sports, my friends, you know, crazy unknowns. What, you know, if people say, no, you might not ever be able to hang out with large groups of friends again. Like that's, there's some trauma there. There's some, some unknown pressure. So don't discount what each person in the family is going through um, because you'd really be cheating connection and you'd be dead wrong. And believe me, Robin, I speak from experience. I've been dead wrong before where I've said that. Oh, I'm trying to keep a business together. So what? That's part of your role. It's hard work, but it doesn't make you immune from apologies and being loving and respectful. And to the acknowledgement that, you know, you, you, we've all been traumatized. This all happened so suddenly. Nobody was, nobody was prepared. Nobody knew what was happening. And then sometimes even when we lay these big tasks on our children, like you were saying, Jimmy, like, oh, well, I'm trying to keep the business alive. I could only imagine, you know, maybe, maybe your children are then thinking, Oh my God, are the, the business is going to go. Well, then where am I going to live? Yeah. And where are we going right. to, you know, and it just further propels this fear and, and trauma. And, and that's really what, what we're seeing a lot in our children is they're, they're having this trauma response. They're acting out more. They're, um, you know, just they're, they're sluggish, they're rebellious. They're, you know, we're having a lot of these like trauma responses that we see this chaos and, you know, maintaining schedules and rhythms is, is such a great thing for, for treating that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's a traumatic time. And, and we, we know that trauma affects us on so many physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And yeah, these are important times. I, I actually, I like how you said that Jim cheating connection, you know, it's an opportunity to cheat connection or to enhance our connection. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that, you know, working through trauma and supporting each other through trauma, connection is at the heart of it all. For sure. For sure. And there's not going to be perfection. That's, 
people are like, what's the one takeaway you can help people with on the macro level? And Jamie and I have really keep coming back to this, Robin. There is no perfect family. I don't know who put that saying together, perfect and family. Those that, That's like the worst saying that's ever happened to family life. Because from what we right, it doesn't exist. There's going to be setbacks, arguments, you know, kids getting in trouble, disagreements. Family life's not about perfection. It never has been. It's about, you know, making the most of the time we have and bridging imperfections. So if they'll just get that perfect family thing out of their vocabulary, throw it in the garbage, it's going to take a lot of pressure off. And yeah. you're going to have more of a learning approach, which is such a healthier way uh, to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Talk like, holy cow, talk, talk about pressure, like holding the world on your shoulders, trying to be perfect and trying mm-hmm. to yeah attain that when nobody can attain that at all. No. Yeah. You know, it's uh, I actually my first interview in the series because you both of Jim and Jamie, you're both part of this series. Look for the helpers. And I had David Irvin on and his episode just aired today. And he had talked about because he's a former marriage and family therapist and he works in the corporate world now. He's called the leaders navigator and just Mm -hmm. such an interesting, caring, genuine person. And he talked about the whole, you know, the worry of being a good enough parent. And it's always, you know, he get the questions, he, am I good enough? Am I a good parent? And, you know, he had talked about really a good enough parent is a parent that just makes mistakes all along the way. But a good enough parent is a parent that tries. And that's what your kids remember. And that's what your kids see is someone that is always trying. And knowing that your parents are trying, you know that they love you and care for you. And yeah. that's what really so matters. True. So true. And, and you know, Robin, to piggyback on that, the best thing that we've been trying to do for ourselves and with people we've been consulting with, the best and strongest setback recovery is a simple apology that's fast and sincere. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is so powerful where, you know, a 10-minute issue could turn into a three-day issue, which spirals things even further because that ego gets in the way that, you know, you should have known better, um, you know, staunch positioning gets in the way and you're just not ready to apologize. But I found, you know, if you will apologize fast and sincerely, because realize that, hey, there's probably things you don't see right now where you're being a little short or anxious or this, you know, just be prepared to to apologize fast and sincerely. And again, that has to make you admit that you've messed up. But the more this used to be really, really hard for me. You know, the ego get in the way, I'd say again, well, you know how hard I'm working? That makes me immune from apologizing, or at least that's what you'd simply <laughs> be saying. But I've gotten really good at trying to break, you know, make it a mini tremor instead of like a giant earthquake. And that's what this mm. a sincere, fast apology can do. I remember it was a couple months ago, Leland got in trouble for something. And so the me, Jamie, her and Alden were sitting down and Alden says, I know, Leland, like you, you got to learn to apologize. I mean, like, look at dad, he messes up all the time, but he's fast to apologize and he does it really sincerely. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Is that <laughs> we all laughed at it because he said it, he said it really honestly. And I thought, okay, good. I'm getting a, a good example and showing I mess up. But one thing I'm getting a lot better at is that fast apology and making it sincere and not saying, oh, well, I'm sorry, Jamie, you've had a tough day. You know, those backhanded apologies don't work, Robin, but man, simple, clear apology goes a long way, especially in times like these. Yeah. 
Well, maybe could we talk a little bit more about that? Because that is, I think, something that comes up for a lot when we're all confined in our, in our home spaces. Some have more space than others. Dealing with conflict, because because of our time, this traumatic time, there's uncertainty and chaos and, you know, some are really struggling. You know, I think that's a big thing with dealing with conflict is ap- apology. Jamie, you had mentioned acknowledgement is really huge. Um, connection. Are there other tools as well that you would recommend or use for dealing with conflict within the home and within the family? Oh, most definitely. I think that one, you know, this is a trickle down effect. So when you set the tone in your home, it's important that that tone is one in which the parents are in control, you know, not in an authoritarian way, but in a way in which you don't have to worry about things like, are we going to be okay? What, what's going to happen next? You know, you set that tone of, of, of peace in your home, you know, it, it can be chaotic on the outside, but it doesn't have to be chaotic on the inside. There's a p- pandemic exteriorly, but there doesn't have to be a pandemic interiorly. So you can do things like setting, setting the tone in your home. You can choose what your rhythms are going to be, what your schedule is going to be, um, and, and then build from there. And so if you take that time to check in with yourself and to say, okay, what, what am I putting in my environment? What am I focusing on so that it can grow? Am I focusing on the negative and then I'm seeing the negative and I'm barking at everybody and then, you know, and so on down the the chain of command, or am I being full of grace and courtesy? Am I offering apologies? Am I offering forgiveness? Am I thanking those that are around me? Am I realizing that, gosh, we're all in a rough spot and we can all use a little bit of wiggle room here now? Hmm. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, very powerful. And I get setting the tone. You, our parents, are at that that space where you guide the the day, the month, and uh, much of the viewpoint and attitudes as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and like Jim said, you know that uh, that quick apology and sincerely, and just you know being human. Like we are incredibly beautifully human right now, every single one of us, <laughs> and. Um, and I think just, just being real, like sharing, here's where I'm falling short, you know, like just know, like, I don't, I don't have this figured out either. I know we're going to be safe. I know everything's going to be okay. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know what this has in store for us, but I do know it's okay. We're safe. And here are the things that we can control. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And I, that's a big thing too, because things feel so out of control right now. We really want to try and just control as much as we can. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, you know, I'm thinking of that story about, you know, you should have known better. Mm-hmm. That's just such a, such a dead end line, Robin, so much of the time, you know, you should have known I was taking this hard call. You should have known that, you know, it was a crazy day with the kids and there were so many moving parts. You should have known that I, I'm missing my friends and, you know, I, I didn't get to play the sport I wanted to. We have this, you should have known better, you know, this we, where we condemn each other. Um, mm-hmm. Months ago, we, we watched our Saturday movie, Kung Fu Panda. Right after Robin, Maggie got up and I was across the room by, by, by the time this happened. And she did this karate kick and it like hit Sammy in the chest. She was so excited. Oh, no. And it's and so I yell from across the room, Maggie, what are you doing? You could have hurt. You know, because I'm the one who I get scared more when the kids get hurt. 
I mean, that's that's who I am. Oh, I have to do triage on the child injured and yeah, on my like, husband. I hate seeing the kids hurt. <laughs> Like, you calm down. You yeah, calm down. Like, Everybody's okay. <laughs> That's when you'll hear when you're like, I just, yeah, it's something I work on. So it's, but, but I yell really loud and, you know, Maggie was scared and she hadn't meant to do it. So I go over, I put her on my lap and I say, Maggie, I'm sorry I yelled at you. You know, you're just so big and strong now and that could have hurt Sammy. You know, I'm sorry for yelling at you like that. I should have, you know, handled it better. And she said, Daddy, that's that's okay. We're all still learning, and that line, like Jamie and I just looked, and 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 that line has just become a mantra in our family. Like, hey, we're all still learning. You know, you should have known I was stressed about the business stuff. Hey, everyone's still learning. How would they know that? Hey, you should have known that there was craziness in the household all day. Hey, we're all still learning. Maybe we, maybe he can't see the signs. Maybe he can't see the signals. Or even with the teens, we tell them, "Hey, we're still learning. We don't know all this. We don't. We don't." And, and if we we'll all take that attitude, we're all still learning. Instead of you should have known better. It, it again, it smooths out some rough edges um, that can be pretty jagged if you stick to that to that other way. Yeah, it does, and 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 it actually, I mean. And that's the continuous theme that I hear when I speak with you guys as well. Like you said, we don't care about the grades. We just care that you're learning. It's not just about, you know, it's not about the academic learning. That learning, that learning that you care about really is throughout all of life, through the practice of life and the process of life, the daily rituals, the daily rhythms, the family connection and the other parts of life that add your passions, everything that adds to it. And it's a pretty spectacular form of modeling for your family. And you see that right there. Yes, for sure. I think another tool for de-escalation or like you said, for conflict um, that just came to me when you mentioned the word family connection is just making sure that you're still, even though we're moving as one right now, you know, home is at home, work is at home, school is at home really acknowledging that we're all still individuals is huge. So Mm. I can't, you know, like we have toddlers to teens and then now we have additional toddlers. And so I can't just assume like, Oh, the kids, this is what the kids are going to do today. You know what I mean? There there's six of them. You know what I mean? I have to acknowledge that Alden may need help, you know, with feedback on some art on a pair of shoes he's working on Leland. I need to make sure that I'm my little praise monkey that I'm like, Hey, what, what grade, you know, how did you, do on X, Y, and Z tests today. And then, you know, with, with Jim understanding, Oh, okay. So how did that one deal go? Or we have, you know, just making sure that each person in your family is still seen as an individual goes a really long way. And not that we're just kind of getting through, but that we're trying to find ways in which to acknowledge, or, you know, even, even to be grateful for something like, Hey, I noticed you unloaded the dishwasher. And even though it's your job, like I totally didn't have to ask you to do it today thank you. That made, made it easier when I went to do X, Y, and Z, or, you know, just that acknowledgement that, that everybody is showing up and as themselves is, is beneficial. Right. A thank you. The apology and the thank you goes a long way. Long way. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, I wanted to ask as well, because you, as I know you had talked about, and I'm interested as well to learn more. I know you're also building some tools for families that are going through crisis right now during this time in COVID. 
Could you talk a little bit about that? And I know, Jim, you you guys had both mentioned there were some steps as well involved with that that you find has been really helpful to be a guideline for families during this time. Yeah, well, the word crisis and survival kept coming at us, and we had been finishing up before COVID really hit uh, a family impact program. So we've added some things, obviously, that had to be upgraded to what is happening now and what can help people with issues at hand. So as we were designing through our own family the first few weeks, again, things come to the surface if you really stay focused and aware and diligent. And so we, we, and a lot of them we over, we, we talked about Robin today, but this, what we want to do is get you in the position where you're grounded and then growing forward. You know, we we don't want to just be passive through this and come out of it broken on the other side. We want to be productive and growing and, 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 bettering ourselves because there are opportunities to do that. So we came up with five separate things that, that we go deep into, which is we talked about setting the leadership tone. That's so important to get the family right. We talked about the principles of tech distancing. Look, we're not against technology and we don't shame our kids for using technology, but we also know it has to be put in its place. And if it's put in its place, then it can be a, a, a support system for us instead of an overwhelming uh, ruling system. We don't want that. So we have tech distancing. We talk about, you know, the power of revision, that revise, revise, revise. That if you give up on your schedule and meshing the family right now, gosh, you you are setting yourself up for, you know, a really bad experience. But if you're willing to revise and we show ways to continually chip away at that, we do that. Uh, and then we do something called inventory educate action. You know, this is a time where it's not to put your head in the sand and it's not to um, be be ignorant to things you need, really need to look at. If your business is really suffering, you need to take inventory on that. Same where your family. Yeah, really. Or it could be your family. Mm-hmm. Some people, they might say, hey, my business is essential. Business is fine. But now that I've got everything home, man, our family, we didn't realize how disconnected we were. We didn't, we didn't realize how injured our relationships really are. So take inventory, honest inventory. And then whatever you take inventory on, if let's say like Jamie just said, if it's your family, get some really direct education on it. You know, like this podcast and things, get really direct education of here's where I'm honestly at. I'm not going to deny the fact our family is kind of splintered right now. I'm going to get education on how to tie it back together and I'm going to take action on that. So it's that simple thing. If we will just look at things, maybe your health is gone. You said, okay, I'm going to take inventory. My blood pressure's up. My weight is up. So I'm going to get education on how, what are the best home workout programs that I can use right now? And I'm going to take action on that. And I'm going to put it in my schedule. I'm going to hold it sacred to every day. Um, so that's, that's a really important step. And our final step, uh, Robin, is, is reframing the entire situation. How are you going to come out of this? And how are you going to look at this? Um, one of our most popular uh, exercises with our workshops and retreats is something we designed called the 75-year-old self. And this is a way to step back from the problem, see it at more of a large-scale macro level. From a point of wisdom. Point right? of wisdom, point of, of strength. Mm. And I ask myself, you know, what would your 75-year-old self say to you right now about the situation you're in? And when you stop and breathe, and think about that. Maybe even jot some notes. I mean, we've done this with a lot of people. The, the, the responses are incredibly profound. They're incredibly powerful. They're incredibly grounding. 
in unknown times. You know, my 75 year old self that second day, Robin, when I was sitting at bad tone with my family said, Hey, you've been through business struggles before and you probably might be here again. That's okay. You'll be fine. You'll get through it. You're, 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 you're a fighter. You're one that keeps up with it. And look at where you are right now. You know, your, your family's young. They're all healthy. You're all together. You have food, you have water. You're living next to the beach. You know, your name, your company's 18 summers. You know, you have this golden opportunity to connect with them right now that you might not ever get before, you know, in those teen grumpiness and toddler meltdowns. Oh man, that's the good stuff. I'm to looking at you at 75, looking back, man, what I would do for one day of those again. And so it totally reframes, Robin, what you're going through. And I'm sure right now you're sitting there thinking about it. What would 75 year old, you know, Robin be saying? Hopefully she still has her big, beautiful head of hair and smile. <laughs> what would she be saying to you? You know, and it, it that just triggers a deeper part of you, uh, a stronger part of you that I think can really come to your aid right now. Yeah. I, 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 that's exactly what I was doing. I was thinking about how will I look back, especially at this moment, because it's such, I think, it, we, I think we're at a pivotal point in history as well. And that 75-year-old self looking back at myself, but also as well as how did I impact others, especially those in my family too? Oh. Was I a source of love and support or was I a source of destruction? <laughs> you know, how g- going forward and how do I want to be going forward? So when I reach that 75-year-old self, I can look back and smile and say, you know, I had joy and I had love as well. So true. Exactly. Our children are learning skills that, um, you know, that, that we don't, we wouldn't have thought to teach them before now. And so why yes. how we handle this situation is teaching them incredibly valuable lessons. They're learning, you know, about that grace and courtesy. They're learning how to fall apart and bring it back together. They're learning terms that we would have never thought to put in their vocabulary. You know, there's just so many things that, you know, if we take a minute and realize or empathy, oh my gosh, empathy is something that we just need to use so greatly right now. And I think that, you know, as, as we are modeling this behavior and our children are really learning these key elements from us. And they'll drop clues, Robin. Your kids will drop clues, as you know, like clues that might might be backhanded. It's like I'm thinking of. I know you know what I'm thinking of. I don't. Last week, <laughs> Leland said to me, <laughs> "Really proud." Leland Leland said to me, "Dad, why have you been so happy?" Um, and I was like, "Okay, he's like it's so annoying. It's so annoying. You're so happy." And I was like, "Man, that's one of the best backhanded compliments I've ever gotten in my life because I." <laughs> Like you said, Robin, I really was like, I'm not going to go through this and make my family more anxious or, 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 you know, terrified with bad emotions, you know, and it's, it is a choice. And when you hear that, it is possible. Perfection? No. But, but in a way and a theme that you can set that tone, man, it feels really good to be able to look back. Even if you start for just two days, you hit that benchmark. It feels really good. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. And even just for those two days, you see that, uh, you know, you see that joy, you see that hope, you see that shine and you want to repeat it. You want to get it back again. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I love talking with you both. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, Jamie and I had, you know, we have been chatting for quite a well years now, Jamie, I think it is right. (laughs) It's been, it's been a while too. (laughs) 
And, and Jim, Jim and Jamie have um, hosted my husband and son too at their place, and it's been such a life changing experience as well for them. And so, you know, that is a big reason why I asked you to be on the series as part of the helpers because I think you are both such huge helpers for your family, but also for the broader community. And uh, I think this episode really shows why it shows that. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Robin. Appreciate it, Robin. So maybe I'd I'd like to ask, um, you know, because we're talking about look for the helpers, are there ways that you suggest that, because I think it's important to have helpers in your life, Mm -hmm. that we all have somebody who has helped us become who we are, who who has supported us, who has maybe brought a little bit of joy into our life. I think that's important in our growth, in our development, and also in our practices as well. Mm -hmm. So are there ways that you both can suggest that we can look for helpers? I think right now is an important time to find helpers to reach out as well. Is there anything that you can suggest for the parents that are listening to this episode if they need a little bit of help, what they can do? Oh, absolutely. Um, one thing, you know, we on our co- cross country trips, not so much the pandemic right this moment, but one thing that comes to mind when you say like our theme of our cross country trips is look for the helpers because we always, no find, ourselves, we always yeah. find ourselves in situations <laughs> where, you know, whether it's, you know, we were do uh, we did Nova Scotia last summer and drove up from Florida to Cape Breton and, um, our RV did not fit through some of the smaller tunnels and it wasn't allowed on some of the highways and certain things. And so we ended up in, I think we were Yonkers. We were, yeah. So we were oh, in, yeah, I know Yonkers. Yeah. Where we were like landlocked through like narrow bridges and anyways, the story gets longer, but so um, a UFC fighter actually, randomly jog took us he was running and we followed him and he took us to the interstate that we could fit on I mean it was the craziest thing but but it's such an example of like when you need help ask for it find it look for it and and on the other side and and Jim can speak so much more to that because he's so great um at utilizing his team and his players um but for me I always think you know and it if you're not actively looking for the helpers, then be the helper. And that's one thing that we teach our children. Figure out either who you're teaching or who you're learning from. You know, you're, oh, you're, you're yes. doing one or the other. If you're not being helped, then then help. And and I want to add to that, Robin, a really important thing right now. And something I learned going through the meltdown of 2008. There's going to be people out there that can give you moral support. And there's people and but there's a fewer circle that can give you technical support. So take as much moral support as you can right now. But for example, if I have a question on homeschooling, Robin, I'm going to probably listen to your podcast or have one of our you know, offline conversations. I'm, I'm not going to talk to my sister-in-law about it who's never homeschooled and read an article or, you know, is kind of going by the seat of their pants. And this might sound, again, oversimplistic, but there's so much, especially when times get a little um, crazy, we'll all of a sudden start taking technical support from people that really aren't in the position to give technical support. What do you mean? I love mm. what people say on Facebook about this pandemic. They're all scientists right now. <laughs> 
Exactly. It was like a month ago, they were all these amazing politicians. And now all my friends are scientists. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's true. No, with the shift. There, yeah. there you go. So it's and I just think again, take moral support from anyone you you can, but but be very be very wise in who you take technical support. In, whether it's business, whether it's homeschooling, family, you know, look at track records, look at history. Are they this? Because everyone will just step up and try to be an expert in in this time, and they they might be all cowboy hat and no cattle. And that's that's not what you want. And they might not have bad um, motives, intentions, intentions. But again, the best I can say is, Robin, homeschooling. Well, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to talk to you. I'm not going to go to someone who just two weeks ago started it and has an opinion. That's a really dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. So if people will get really clear on who they're getting their support from, technical support especially, I think the results are going to be a lot better. And two, one thing that you always say too, hun, is. Asking for help doesn't mean you're helpless. And I think whether that is asking your children for help to be a team member right now, because honestly, with us all being home, we're all the helpers. I'm helping my teens. They're helping us. The toddlers are, I'm not sure what they're helping, but uh, (laughs) we're all helping. They're helping. Yeah, they're helping, right? The the comedy really. (laughs) Just the things, I think it's been funny, the things that we thought we would never say, the things that we're having to say um, to toddlers. Um, But really just knowing that asking for help doesn't make you helpless. It's an incredible strength of character. And again, if our children can see us look for help, then they know that they too can reach for it when they need it. Mm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Wow. Thank you very, very much. Well, I think that is a a great example to leave this on. Um, And I think that's not only practical advice, simple advice, but at the same time, it's advice that will carry us for a very long time to come, even outside of these current circumstances as well. And that's the real power in it. So thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jim. You're welcome. Thanks for having us, Ron. It's good to be here. Thank you. So before we sign out, can you guys maybe tell us where we can contact you or find out more about you or follow you? You have some um, great tools. Uh, you have some great information. I have been following you guys for years as well, and I continue to. Can you let us know where we can uh, where we can track you down? Sure. Thanks so much. Um, we are on Instagram as Eighteen Summers Tribe. Um, we are on Facebook. We have a um, our book has a public page, but we also have a private community of like minded families. And um, it's an intimate space where you can share um, safely. And that is 18 Summers. Um, and it is a private group. So there's um, just some questions just asking where have you heard from us and that kind of thing, just so that we make sure it's not just anybody getting into the group. Um, but we would love for your listeners to join us there. And, um, you know, we're on LinkedIn or Jim is. But, yeah, eight, uh, Facebook and Instagram are the best places. And also 18 Summers dot com just the number 18 summers with us on the end dot com okay perfect thank you and i'll include all of those in the show notes as well perfect. excellent thank you. all right well it's good talking to you. you robin we appreciate your insights as well thank you i appreciate you both as well and i think you guys know that but yeah it never hurts to say it again so <laughs> thank you <laughs> 
Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. Thank you.